You're listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I'm Pastor Josh. I would like to invite you to embark with me on a journey, a journey of biblical study. Through practical application of the Word of God, it is my prayer that you grow in greater relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Please join me as we journey to the next Stepping Stone of Faith. Hey folks, Pastor Josh here. Hey, the next couple of weeks, I just want to do a something a little bit different. Uh, recently, my pastor that I got saved under passed away, went to be with the Lord. And in honor of him, I would like to just play a couple sermons for the next couple of weeks. People ask me what kind of person he was, uh, what was he like as a, as a person. Uh, and these sermons pretty much tell you uh, what he was like as a person behind the pulpit and out from behind the pulpit in everyday life. So this is for my pastor, Pastor Gary Steffi. This is in memory of him for the next two weeks, two sermons. Part one is the first sermon, I Just Can't Do This, right here on Stepping Stones of Faith. I'm Pastor Josh. And uh, I, uh, Pastor, I, I, I just can't do this. I just can't do this. Oh, that's my sermon title this morning. I, I just can't do this. It's been a long time since I stood behind a, a pulpit on a Sunday morning. I ministered for 23 years in Illinois, started the church there and pastored that church for 23 years. And then God led me elsewhere. And in um, all this time that I've been a Christian and God's called me in the ministry, I have said to God, I can't do this. God called me... At the age of 26, he said, I want you to preach my word. I said, I can't do this. My name's Steffi. God, you don't understand the name Steffi doesn't go along with ministry. It doesn't go along with preaching the gospel because my family was basically a family of alcoholics. But God called me anyway, and for four and a half years, I said, God, I can't do this. I just can't. Lord, I don't have what it takes. I wasn't at the top of my class in high school. Big high school, I was 63 in my graduating class, and I think I was somewhere in the middle. I never applied myself. God said, I want you to preach. I said, God, I can't do this. Four and a half years later, still arguing with God, God said, it's now or never. And I said, Lord, here am I. Send me. I don't know how. I don't have any money to go Bible college. God said, I'll take care of that. And God did the miraculous. I didn't have a penny to my name to go to Bible college. God said, I'll take care of it. And he did. The, at that particular time, I'd already used up my BA. I went to college prior to that to be a computer programmer. <laughs> that didn't work out too good. I couldn't program. A, I can't even program my VCR. But anyway, but they extended it for two years. So that and that, I had two years. I already had two years of college prior to that. And so God provided that. Well, I got there. That's great. It takes care of my schooling. But I had no, no finances coming in to support a wife, two children, and, and uh, put food on the table. Boy, when you're in Bible college, you learn to eat stuff that you would never eat before. We had this thing called glop. If you've never had glop, you've missed it. Back in those days, you could buy 10 boxes of macaroni and cheese for, for a buck. A piece. Wow, it was great. With a little bit of pork and beans, and ketchup, and brown sugar, some onions, hamburger, you got glop. It's great. But anyway, 
God provided the means. I went to Southwestern Assembly of God University. It was called college at the time in Waxahachie, Texas. Now, don't say Waxahachie because they'll laugh at you. It's Waxahachie, Texas. Received my degree in pastoral ministry and evangelism. And uh, I've been trying to do what God's want me to do since then. But it hasn't been easy. Most of the time, I still tell God I can't do this. After 23 years in Illinois, God says, I want you to go, and I want you to go to Florida and minister to alcoholics and addicts. I said, God, I can't do this. I've never done that before. I grew up in a home of alcoholics, but God, I can't do this. I ended up in, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, ministering to alcoholics and addicts. Six years I did that. It was the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. I loved it. I loved it. Then the enemy had his way and they began changing the doctrine and I said, I can't be part of that. So we had to resign I, because I would not compromise what I believe to be the truth. Then God put on our heart to minister to those over 50. Everybody over 50 say amen. amen. Do you realize that people over 50 think they are done because they've reached 50? Are you kidding me? I don't have the time to preach the message about that today, but I'd like to sometime. I, I, and the message that I had that I, I, I shared is God ain't got no retirement plan. Pardon the English, but that's just the way it is. You're not done. You're just beginning. But that's another message altogether. But God said, go. I said, God, I don't have, I can't do this. We don't have any money. We don't have a house. We don't have any income. And God said, I'll take care of this. So we came home for a month back to Indiana where my family lives. My daughter lives here. That's why we live in Akron. Well, God brought us here. And God said, go. So we went back down to Florida. We were in the mountains of Tennessee. And we had no idea where we were going to stay. But God said, I'll take care of this. So we're in the mountains of Tennessee. It's pouring down rain. It was a terrible night. And I get a phone call. Brother Steffi, this is James. Hey, I got a place where you can stay. This lady has six bedrooms and six bathrooms and said you can stay as long as you want. Oh, cool. I said, well, we'll check it out when we get there. Turns out the lady and her husband, her husband was four-time Stanley Cup champion, Dennis Potman of the New York Islanders, and his lovely wife, former international model, Valerie Gates. We spent five weeks with them. And while we're staying with them, God opened up a house for us to rent. The cheapest house you'll ever rent in the Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale Margate. God put it right in our laps. We, we went, looked at it, said, we'll take it. We got it. And that's where we lived for two years. Two years, we did not have any income. Couldn't find a job. Unless you speak two languages, you can't find a job in South Florida. But God provided for us for two years. When you say, I can't do this. You're leaving God out of the equation. And, and I, you know, I'm still learning, okay? I've been doing this for, for in the ministry for 30, almost 36 years. And I'm still learning when God says, I want you to do this. And so we did it for two years. Then God said, my wife and I, we, we agree. We talk a lot. She's my best friend. This is my lovely wife, Teresa, here. Wave your hand, honey. Next month, or in January, rather, we'll be married 46 years. But we, in our time of prayer and seeking God, 
We've all felt God said, get close to your family. The end's coming. Be close to your family. Well, we have family in Indiana and, and my daughter and son-in-law and three grandkids here in Ohio. And so we came to Ohio. We're driving up the road, had no idea where we were going to stay. But God said, go. And we came and God made the way. Now we live 30 seconds by car down the road from the church. God brought us here. We came in November of last year, Thanksgiving week, and we fell in love with the people in this church. So that's who I am and where I am and what I'm doing here. What God has for me from this point on, I don't know. I'm just saying, Lord, if I can't do this, I know you can. Amen. So I want to share with you with that thought, I just can't do this. In Sunday school, we were talking about Moses. Saying, God, I can't, I can't do this. I, I, I have speech problems. No matter whether it was a speech impediment, nobody really knows. But he just made excuses. I can't do this. I can't do this. But you know what? God enabled him with some help. A fellow named Aaron, you all know him. But I want you to take your Bibles. I, I, um, I'm not used to the projector overhead stuff. I would lose train of thought real quick. I'm amazed at how Pastor does that. He's, he's an amazing person. I, I love these folks here. They are great. You don't know how good you have it. You really don't. I know I've been around the block a few times. Appreciate and love them. They're, they're great and wonderful people. Go to Philippians with me. Chapter 4 and verse 13. And I'll tell you this, I don't hide my emotions. I get a, I'm an emotional guy. And I don't, I, I'm as scared right now as I ever was the first time I stepped behind a pulpit. And you know what? I don't want that ever to change. I don't want to ever think I can get up here and do it by myself. I can't do this without him. I can't. Philippians 4.13 says this very, we all know the scriptures. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Would you pray with me? Father, I can't do this today, but I know I don't stand here alone. I know, Jesus, that you called me to preach your word. And Lord, as I, as I sit down night after night and day after day, contemplating what you'd have me to do, Lord, my mind was filled with multitudes of scriptures. And Lord, even as late as last night, I said, I can't do this. But Lord, I believe you put something on my heart. I believe, Lord, that you have a plan and a will. And Lord, that you want, Lord, this congregation to know, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Bless, Father, I pray this time together. Bless, Lord, with the anointing of the Spirit. Empower us, Lord, to receive your word. May God have fallen on good ground and produced fruit. And Father, I yield myself to you. Not my will, but thine be done. Lord, I can't do this. But with Christ, all things are possible. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. As I've said, I've been around the block a few times and in a lot of states. I never thought I'd see so many states in the ministry. But I've been here, there, and everywhere. And I hear things. I'm a good listener. I do listen. When you pastor alcoholics and addicts, you better learn to listen. And I learned a lot. But I hear things. And I hear people using things. And one of the things I, I do hear today in modern society 
especially among the youth. Now, us old folks, we don't do this too much. But among the youth, you'll hear things like this, especially in the, in the, in the athletic realm and other things like that. You'll hear people, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. You, you tell a person who, you know, okay, I want you to guard that. Uh, I know you're only 5'8", but I want you to guard that 6'11". I can do this. I can do this. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. That guy's foot's bigger than you. But anyway, I hear that a lot. I can do this. And most of us have heard since childhood, our parents, and parents ought to do this. But I've, I've got mixed emotions about whether I should tell my child who cannot color in the lines after 25 years that they should, no, they should but you know, you get the point. We, we say, you can do this, honey. You can do this, sweetheart. You can do it, Billy Bob. You can do this. We, we've heard this all our life. You can do this. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I think we sometimes go overboard that some of these children grow up thinking they don't need anybody else because I can do it. They don't need God. They don't need their family members anymore. I don't have to listen to you. I substitute taught for 13 years when I was in Illinois, pastoring. And I used to have these young people. I like the little kids. I like the fifth graders. They're my favorite. Sorry, teenagers. And every once in a while you get a character. And the character say, you're not my dad. You know? And uh, that, that was kind of tough. But they grow up believing if you don't reinforce them with something else. Now, back in our day, you used to say, put the Board of Education on the seat of understanding. But that doesn't happen anymore. But if they grow up thinking they don't need anybody, I can do this. They're going to have problems. And the older I get, the more I realize I need help. I need people. I need God more than I ever needed him before. Because I just can't do what I'm facing. Now, if you've never been 66 years old, don't raise your hand. But all you over 66 know what I'm talking about. You're facing things you never had to face before. You're doing things that you never had to do before. You're having to plan for things you never had to plan for before. It's not always easy. And we don't want to go around thinking, I can do this when we really can't do it. It's been engrafted into our hearts and minds so deeply to such an extent that some people actually believe they can do anything. It's a sad thing when that person faces the fact that they can't do everything when it hits them right on the nose. When people face things they never thought they'd have to face and they realize, hey, what am I going to do? I can't do this. And they don't have anywhere to turn. You know, there's a lot of people outside our doors today, down the street, next door to you, down the road from you, that have tried to do it their way. Remember, Frank Sinatra said, I'll do it my way. And they tried to do it their way. You know what? And they're in terrible shape today. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't know who to call on. So many people put their trust and confidence in the government, and the government can't help them out. You know, the government's not going to come down, sit on your couch, and hold your hand and pray with you. And a lot of people are in dire straits today because they were raised thinking, I can do it. Now they can't. They don't know who to call on. 
Wow, what an opportunity for Christians. You know, since I, my wife and I have been here in Akron, God has given me so many opportunities to speak and to share, not in the pulpit, but in life with young people. I've had more opportunities to talk to people under 30 up here than I've had anything else. To share the God. Do you know Jesus loves you? Do you know how much God cares about you that he gave a son for you? And they're listening, folks. Listen, you older people. Young people are starving for somebody older that will say, Hey, I care about you. I love you. Let me tell you about my Savior. You might not think they are, but they are. They're out there. If you're looking for them, I find them all the time. Restaurants, golf course, car dealerships. Doesn't matter. They're out there. Jeff, open up the mouth. And you will open up the mouth if the heart is full. Amen? If you realize, and I, I hear that, I can't witness, Pastor. Well, really? You're talking to me. That means your mouth works. You can hear me. means your ears work. You can listen and talk. You can witness. But I don't know the Scriptures. Do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? If you know him, you can witness. That's all you have to do. You know, and let me tell you, in all the years I've served God, I've never sat down with somebody and whipped out my Thompson Chain Reference Bible, my 44-pound Schofield Reference Bible, and say, all right, the Scripture says that. You know what? Scripture back in the Old Testament says, if you want a friend, show yourself friendly. You know what God's always told me? Give them your heart. Give them your heart. Don't say you can't do this. If you love me, you got to love people. And if you love people, you can tell them about me. It's not that difficult. It can come up in just casual conversation. But I understand the I can't do this thing. Because if you're doing it on your own, it gets difficult. Let me tell you, 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 you don't know how many times I've told God I can't do this. I, I've lost track a long, long time ago. But I'm still learning. I'm still learning. If God says do something, if I take the first step, He picks me up and carries me the rest of the way. How many times have you heard someone say, I just can't do it? Or maybe it was you. Psychologists might call it denial. I can't do this. Now, denial is something other than a, in a, a river in Egypt. But you might have some of your buddies, your acquaintances, your friends, maybe even some family members say, Yeah, you're just a coward or a chicken. That's why you won't do it. Now, the question. I want to ask here. Is it a sin for a believer to say, I just can't do it? No. Now pay attention because this is where we're going to get to a little deeper. It's not a sin for a Christian to say, I can't do this. Because it's the truth. As a believer, as a Christian, when we start thinking, I can do anything, I don't do things in the name of Gary Steffi. That gets me nowhere. I can't even go in. I don't drink coffee. But if I tried to go in and get a cup of coffee, say, yeah, I'm Gary Steffi. Uh, here's a cup of coffee. Not going to happen. 
Now, actually, we did have a pastor uh, when I was working with down in uh, Bible College, Waxhatch, Texas. They had a place called Del Taco. Anybody ever eaten a Del Taco? Hallelujah. They had great burritos. Well, anyway. That's... But they had a calendar. And every year they'd send this calendar out. And at the bottom of the calendar, you'd go and get a free taco or a free burrito or whatever. Well, we stopped after a Wednesday night service one night with the pastor and his wife. And it was a taco. And he said, I don't want a taco. I want a burrito. So he walks up to the window and he goes, excuse me, is the manager here? You'd had to know this guy. His name was Richard Smots. And the manager goes, yes, sir, can I? He says, yes, my name is Reverend Richard Smots. And it says here I could have a free taco, but I would prefer a burrito. You think you can make that possible? And the guy said, sure. If I tried that, it would not happen. I can't do things, anything, without knowing I'm in God's will and that I'm not alone in doing it. I'm not going to go up to a window and say, hey, my name is Reverend Derek Steffi, and I have a burrito. You know? I'm not going to do that. But when God says, I want you to do this, I know when he says, I want you to do this, that I'm not on my own. My mantra, if I, don't want, I don't like that word mantra, my, my, uh, my saying when I was ministering to the alcoholics and addicts was simply this, it's not about us, it's about him. And I would say to them, it's not about us, and they would yell out 185 plus strong, say, it's about him. And when you hear alcoholics and addicts yelling that out, that's a good feeling. It's not about us, it's about him. I have to remember that in everything I do. You know why? I have failed so many times. I contemplated preaching the message, I've failed, I've failed. But I didn't want to come across being negative. I have failed. Any successes I've had is because of him. Anything that I have gained is because of him, because I can't do it without him. My wife and I have been through a lot of physical things that God's seen us through. We didn't think we could make it, but God said, I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he's never let us down. He's done, I mean, two years, actually three years now, God has provided for us miraculously. Oftentimes we wonder, where's it going to come from? God's always there. Now we've all heard the phrase, there's no I in team. I thought about that for a minute and said, well, when it comes to this, I can't do this. I can't do this. Well, maybe it should be, there's no I in me. But there is a Christ in me. And if Christ is in me, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can't do this. For a believer to say that, a believer cannot and must not be thinking in the same realm that a a person in the world thinks. We cannot allow that to happen. Because when we start saying, saying I can't do this, thinking the way the, that those who are no, don't know Christ, those who are in the world think, I can't do this and give up, throw in the towel, cast in your chips, whatever phraseology you might use. When we say, I can't do this, we have to do it with the thought in our minds without Christ. That has to be there. I can't do this without Christ. 
The world says, I can't do this, and they won't. If you've ever been a supervisor or something, you get somebody employed under your employment, and you say, I want you to do this, Bob. I can't do that. Well, I, I need you to, I can't, and I'm not going to do it. Guess what happens to Bob? Bye-bye. That's it with Bob. For a believer, we can't think that. We, if God says, listen, I want you to do this. I want you to go into ministry. I can't do this. Took me a while, but I learned. I can't, but I can through him. I can through him. For a believer to say, I can do this, it better be in the same thought pattern. When you say, I can do this, you got to have in the back of your mind through Christ. I can do this. Nothing's impossible to those who believe. Jesus is the reason we can do anything. You would not be sitting here saying amen without breath unless the Lord had given you that breath. Amen. Simple things we miss sometimes. In Philippians 4.13 from the International English Bible, it says it this way. I can do anything by the one who gives me the power. I like that. I can do anything by the one who gives me the power. And that one is Jesus Christ. Now, even though I'm going to be 39 for the 28th time, I can't leap tall buildings in a single bound. I am not faster than a speeding bullet. And there's just some things, because of my age, I can't do anymore. I can't go out and chop wood for three hours. Thank God I don't need to. But, you know, I'm not talking about things that you know you are limited in doing physically. I can't slam dunk a basketball. I couldn't even do that when I was young and strong. I, I have tiny hands for a big guy. Look at that. I can't even hardly palm a golf ball. You know? But I, I could get my elbow up to the rim, but I couldn't hold the basketball. Now, if you ask me to do that now, well, I can't say I can't do it. If I got an eight-foot stepladder, I could probably do it. I'm not talking about there are things that you just can't do, physically limited, or because of your age. But when God calls you to do something for Him, don't say, I can't do this. Because you, you understand that if you love Him and He loves you, if He's called you to do something, He's going to enable you to do that. When I was in Bible college, I, our president was Herschel Brummett. Anybody know who Herschel Brummett was? Great man of God. I was helping him move from his house to another house, and we're driving down the interstate between Dallas, Texas, and Waxahachie, Texas. And we're conversing in his pickup truck. He says, well, Brother Steph, he says, what do you think God wants you to do? I said, I... I think God's called me to start a church in Bluffton, Indiana, but I can't do this. You know what he did? Seriously, he stopped his truck right in the middle of the interstate. I said, what are you doing? He turned to me and he says, you listen to me, young man. If God's called you, he will equip you. I said, all right, all right, drive. I never forgot that. God never asked me to do something he won't give me the ability to do. Amen, and he won't do that to you either. In Zechariah, if you look, look with me, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Pastor, I, don't, I can't even see the clock, so when it's time, just throw something at me. You know, or say, hey, shut up, or whatever. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. 
Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might we know this, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, when I said there's no I in team, we have a team, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Man, I want to be on that starting three. That making me the fourth, right? We don't need a starting five when God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and you are involved, right? We can do this through Him. Not by might, not my might, not your might, nor by power, not yours or mine, but by His Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. If we ever forget as believers that we can't without Christ and the indwelling Holy Spirit, we have big problems. You know, one of the things, I, I'm a watcher. I watch people. I watch this man here. I've never seen a pastor work so hard and do so much. So how does he do that, God? And I know what he would tell you because God empowers him and enables him to do it. I know he would tell you right now. He couldn't do it without the work of the Holy Spirit. He could not do all the stuff he does and have the heart he does. I'm always impressed with the man of God. When he's talking with you, you see the tears running down his cheek because he cares. You know why he cares? Because the Spirit of God dwells in him. And he knows he can do whatever God's called him to do if he just trusts the Lord. And God will, because God never fails. Acts 1.8 is a scripture we're pretty familiar with, but ye shall receive power. Hallelujah from Walmart, yes! Now if you buy it from Walmart, it might be cheap, but it won't last. This power will last. Amen. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be what? Witnesses. Wait a minute. I can't be a witness. I can't witness. But God says, after that the Holy Ghost will come on me. You shall be, not might, but you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea. Where are those places? I'm not going there. And in Samaria. I've never been there. But here's us. And to the uttermost parts of the world, which is Akron. Hallelujah. I don't live in Akron. I live in Barberton. Well, good. That's a good place to start. I can't do this without him. The first time I ever stood behind the pulpit, my pastor, when I was a layman, said, Brother Steffi, you're preaching Wednesday night. I said, I'm what? I can't do this. And he says, you know, he misquoted the scripture to me, but I didn't know at the time. And so I said, all right. I got up behind that and my knees were going. They were knocking so hard you could hear them clear in the back of the church. Shortest message I've ever preached. Five minutes. I'm not going to be done. I'm already over five. Scared to death. But that was the beginning. Because see, God began calling me immediately into the ministry and I argued for four and a half years. Because I was trying to do it. That's why my knees were knocking. Am I nervous up here? I better be nervous because I am holding here in my hands and I am proclaiming 
the thing that's more important than all the riches and glory and all the wealth of this world is called the Word of God, and I don't want to misuse it. I can do all things through this, through the Holy Spirit. I get my feed and my fuel from the Holy Spirit through His Word. That's how I can do it, not on my own. Acts 4.33, I like this because it kind of follows up Acts 1.8. And with great power gave the apostles witness. Now remember, go back to that. He says, ye shall be witnesses. And four, three chapters later, verse 43, uh, 33, he says, and, the pow- and which great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Great grace is upon them all. The answer is that Christ gives us the power. We don't get it from our own ability. Listen, I have a, a Bible degree. I have a college degree. Whoop-de-doo, that won't even get me a cup of coffee that I don't drink. That means absolutely nothing. I learn more outside of the college doors in practical ministry than I ever did in college. Now, I'm not discouraging you to go to college. If God said go, he'll enable you, right? But I'm just simply saying, when I start understanding that God can do things through me if I let him, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. The apostles with great power. And the last part of that scripture was, and great grace was upon them. Grace. All kinds of definitions for it. I'm not even going to give it to you because you already know in your mind what I would say. Grace. Not a person. It's part of who God is. And I like to use this word with the word grace. Enabling grace. Enabling grace. When I don't see it, I know God is enabling me. When I don't understand it, I know God is enabling. His grace is upon me. I might feel like a failure. I might fall flat on my face, but I know God is going to enable me to stand back up and continue doing what he's called me to do. You know, I feel in my heart, as I, as I sat late last night going over this again, I feel in my heart there's a lot of people who don't think they can do anything. I can't get up behind that pulpit. You might not. But you can do things that I can't do that God will enable you to do. I can't be where you are. Pastor can't be where are you where you are, but you, when you are yielded to God, God can use you right where you are to do great things for Him. You might not even get any recognition for it. You know, that was a hard thing. When you grow up in a family like I did, you, you, you want some recognition for doing something good. I said something to Pastor uh, Kent here a, a, a couple weeks ago with Pastor's Appreciation. I said, when I was in Watsika, they forgot it most every year. <laughs> But that's all right. God appreciated me. That's all that mattered. You know? I, I don't want to be in the ministry to be recognized by people. I want, when I said, I got up here today, I said, God, it's not about me. It's about you. Be glorified. Rather, rather anybody likes this message or they don't. God, be glorified. Let the, let the word get in the heart that, that God, your people can do all things through Christ. That's all that matters this morning. There's enabling grace in Him. In Him. I, I like that scripture. We can do all things through Christ. Meaning in Christ. You try to do it without Him, you'll fail. Just like anybody would. Just like I have. But He enables you in Himself to do these things. In Luke chapter 10, two verses. Verse 19 and 20. 
It says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know, this scripture has been taken out of context and used for craziness. But listen to the words here. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice, rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. Yeah, it was wonderful that we can do these things, but the thing we need to be rejoicing is we're serving him. Our love is for him. Our name is in his book. And in that day, he's going to say, Gary Steffi, Ryan Jarvis, it doesn't matter what we've accomplished. It doesn't matter if we tread on serpents or scorpions. It matters in that day when God says, come on in. That's all that really matters. And God will enable us to get to that point. A lot of people like to, oh yeah, stomp on serpents. How many of you have ever actually seen live crawling around your bedroom for a scorpion? Anybody? Not very many. Ah, sister, that's, bless your heart. You know what it's like. You don't get down there and go, no, you go, ah! <laughs> you get far away from that thing as you can. When we lived in Texas, we had to look on the floor before we got up. You just didn't slide your feet into your house slippers either. Ah. Oh, it sounds real tough and very spiritual. But you know what? That wasn't Jesus' intent anyway for us to go around thinking we'd just step on serpents and scorpions. He was talking about a particular situation. The word serpent, by the way, is the word ophus. Ophus. <laughs> Not oaf. Ophus. And it says this of ophus. The characteristics of the serpent, as alluded to in Scripture, are mostly evil. So instead of thinking snake, think evil. Okay. It's treachery. It's venom. It's skulking. The word skulking means to sleep or to be in hiding continually. It's murderous proclivities. <laughs> Procliv That's a word I use every day. <laughs> Procl What's proclivities mean? Predisposition, okay? Murderous predisposition. The Lord used the word metaphorically in referring to the scribes and the Pharisees. He wasn't talking about going around stepping on snakes and scorpions. He's talking about evil in the world that is out there that you're going to be confronted with. He says, I have given you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions. I have given you the power to stand up against those who have an evil thoughts, those who seek to do you harm, those who are predisposition with the predisposition to do evil. I have given you power to tread upon them. I have given you something they can't withstand, and it's my word. The word scorpion comes from uh, two words. Basically, the base word is scorpios, which is akin to scorpizo in the Greek. It means to scatter, which see. Now, in Luke 19, uh, 10, 19 that we just read here, the Lord's assurance to the disciples of the authority given them by him to tread upon serpents and scorpions conveys this, the thought of victory over spiritual antagonistic forces. Victory over spiritual antagonistic forces. How many of you know the devil don't like us? Only two of you. That's interesting. Okay. Listen, at every turn he wants to disrupt us. As it was brought up in Sunday school today, he wants to sidetrack us, distract us. 
forces that, that are, are evil, spiritually antagonistic forces, the powers of darkness who want to defeat us, destroy us, distract us. But Jesus said, I have given you power over the enemy. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, 6. Pastor, I, I can't see the clock if I'm getting close to yell at me. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. He's enabled us to be ministered. Now, just because I am ordained with the assemblies of God doesn't mean I'm any better or any greater than anyone else because God's called us all to be ministers. You know that if you've served the Lord. That's what's talk, what it's talking about. It's not talking about those who are ordained. He's made us. Who's us? The body of Christ. Able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the spirits. For the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. You know what? All you have to do is let the spirit of God work through you to bring forth the word of God. Ah, dang, got a clock. I love that. God will enable you to do that. By his spirits. Amen? 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. God said, I'll make you efficient. You'll be able to abound in all things. 1 Timothy 1, 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. For that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I can't do this. I've only done it because he enabled me. Let me bring this to a conclusion. We must understand that when we say we, we are weak. That's the first two letters in weak, isn't it? We, but he is strong. We all remember that song, yes, Jesus loved me, I'm weak, but he is strong. If we say we, we can do this, we're weak, but he can do all things through us. It is he that gives us the moral and spiritual strength to accomplish what we need to do. A couple more scriptures. 2 Samuel twenty-two forty, For thou hast girded me with strength to battle. Them that rose up against me hast thou subdued under me. Who subdued me? No. He has subdued. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My enabling grace. That's all you need to do what God's asked you to do. For my strength is made perfect in what? Weaknesses. My strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. I can do this because of him. Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And finally, Ephesians 6.10. And it says, finally. <laughs> I all say, man, I'm glad he's done. I'm hungry. Finally, my brethren, be strong in yourself. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the new living, literal, uh, twisted version. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I can do this through Jesus Christ. Amen? How many of you, how many of you have been born again? Raise your hand. Okay. Praise God. How did that happen? Did you save yourself? How many of you, when you said to the Lord, I, I can't do this. I can't change the Lord. How many of you changed? Raise your hand. 
couple of you, praise God, Pastor, we've got some more work to do. I want to conclude with this little thing here. Of salvation, it is said, God thought it, Christ brought it. The Spirit wrought it. The blood bought it. The Bible taught it. And the devil fought it. Love sought it. Faith caught it. And happy the man who can say, I've got it. Did you get it this morning? That I could do all things through Christ which strengthens me? Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Pastor, would you come? Well, I hope you enjoyed that first sermon, part one, I Just Can't Do This, by Pastor Gary Steffi, the man who taught me how to be a pastor, who mentored me into being the pastor that I am today. So I thank him for that time that we spent together the last, the first 17 years of my Christian walk. God bless you. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he turn his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Until next time, part two of the sermon series, Pastor Gary Steffi on Stepping Stones of Faith. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. If you find value in this content, please consider subscribing. You can also find an audio podcast of this video on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today. God bless.